How many of y'all like Christmas movies? Amen? All right. One of my favorites is the movie Elf. There's just something so innocent and awesome about Buddy the Elf. He just wants to decorate for Christmas and sing Christmas carols. He is so ready for Christmas all the time. How many of y'all are one of those people, though, that it annoys you when people start celebrating Christmas like after Halloween or before Halloween? Okay, you can be honest. It's all right. Now, obviously, uh, stores do this for monetary reasons, right? And that's kind of distasteful. We don't like that very much. But have you ever thought about why so many of us are so quick to just jump onto it? We just want to get there. I think it's because we all are looking for distraction from the injustice and the selfishness and the pride in this world. And we want to think about the peace and the love and the hope and the joy. And we, we kind of uh, convince ourselves that if everyone just had a little bit more Christmas spirit and we got around and sang Hark the Herald Angels Sing, then it would fix the world's problems, right? And we would have that hope and that peace that we are looking for. Everybody could get along. We could put aside our differences. For many of us, we would just want to go back to that childlike state and feel like our problems are solved, if only for a little while. We have high expectations for Christmas, but they're often unrealistic expectations. How many of you have had expectations before about what was going to happen during the season and it didn't exactly go the way that you had hoped, right? We've all probably been there. We dream of a family filling our house and us living and laughing and loving together while we play Scrabble. But then when the family gets there, we remember that Aunt Carla's a little bit much. She's intense. Then we remember Uncle Bill is a pretty racist. And we remember that those fun times that we thought we were going to have are a little bit stressful. And nothing's more stressful than that family picture, right? We're trying to fit everybody in, and the kids are running around, and, and, you know, grandpa's telling jokes and making noises, and grandma's can't keep her eyes open when the flash goes, and it's stressful. And we've got all these expectations, and sometimes things just don't go the way we had hoped. And things were so much simpler when we were kids. We would anticipate Christmas, and for the most part, it would really pay off. We'd get that Cabbage Patch doll or that Game Boy or those Beanie Babies or those Pogs, right? For the younger viewers, that's iPads and Beats and Amazon gift cards. For the most part, things paid off and we were pretty excited. And that anticipation is part of what made it so exciting. Everything around you reminded you that there was things that you wanted that you were going to get. Luke 11, 11 is what will be this morning. And Jesus is speaking in this passage in Luke's account here of the life of Jesus. And I love this verse. It says, What father among you, if his sons ask for fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is awesome, right? Dad, you're out there and your kids say, hey, I'm hungry. I want some fish sticks. How many of you are handing him a snake? 
I like pranks as much as anybody else, but this is a little bit too far. Or they ask you for some eggs, and you hand them a scorpion. That's messed up. I don't even know where you find a scorpion these days. That means you went a really far. You, you put a lot of work into handing your kid a scorpion instead of some eggs. And if you're a better father than that, then how much better of a father is God the father to us when he gives us good gifts? Dads, let's take a real quick poll here. And hopefully this is not me. But how many of you are as surprised as your kids are about what they get on Christmas Day, right? Come on, be honest. You're like, oh, that's cool. I've never seen that before. See, dads typically aren't the best gift givers. Remember back when you were a kid, you knew mom and grandpa, uh, grandma were really the ones that deserved the real thank you, and grandpa and dad got that like courtesy thank you, and they like, what do you mean thank you? Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. And when our dads did give us gifts, it was like a socket set and free lessons on how to change your oil. <laughs> how much better of a gift giver is our Father in heaven? If we can do that well. And we've all seen those videos of children opening Christmas presents and just freaking out, right? You've seen those before? Check this out. This is Noah probably when he was three or four. See, if we can do that, how much better is a gift giver, uh, how much better is God a, a gift giver, if we can make that happen? Ephesians 1.3 says this, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ. Our blessings, our gifts, all the good things that God has given us are in Christ. It says, blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. See, all the blessings we have are through the gift of Christ. It says, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Some of y'all are, are uh, early Christmas shoppers, right? You'll start in January shopping for Christmas in December. Well, God is even more so than that. Before the foundation of the world, all these gifts that he's given us in Christ, he's been waiting that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. See, God, before this whole world was created, was anticipating about giving you this gift of Christ and shaping you into this holy and blameless being, all because of his love for you, because he knew he would adopt you into his family and call you his own. There's one uh, present Noah got this year uh, from his grandparents that I was just so excited about him getting. I knew he was going to love it. I knew he just was going to be so excited, and I knew it was going to be a good gift, so I couldn't wait. And that's how God feels about us. He has offered all of us these gifts that are found in Christ, and he just wants you to explore it. He longs for you to see all the blessings that he has offered to us in Christ. He wants to see you experience all the gifts, and he's just waiting for you to open it. Now, there's some things that our kids get or they ask for that we know that they're not getting, right? 
It's not good for them. It's not good for our relationship between us, right? They ask for these things. And sometimes as parents, we don't even realize it till after the fact. Uh, I wish we would have never gotten Chloe's slime kits. Don't do it, parents. It's all over the place. It's in the carpet. It's in their hair half the time. But see, God is sovereign. And he knows all. And he knows the things that he can't give us because they would hurt us. And that's why you're not going to get that promotion. Because God knows that you would become too absorbed with your job and with money. And that's why you're not going to get that house. Because God knows that you can't really afford it. And he knows it would ultimately be bad for you and bad for your marriage. And ladies, that's why that guy's not going to ask you out. Because God knows on the inside he's a nightmare. And you haven't figured it out yet. What are you laughing at that for? <laughs> but if you just understood all that you have in Christ, all those other things that we long for would be strangely dim. See, God can't wait for you to experience the gifts that he has waiting for you. Good gifts. He isn't handing out snakes and scorpions. He's wrapped these things before the foundation of the world. He's been waiting on you to discover all that he has made available to you. And this verses here say that part of this gift is him making us holy and blameless before him. Why is this such an amazing thing? Because God doesn't want you to struggle with shame and guilt and regret and consequences and pain. He wants you to glorify him with his life, with your life. Matt Chandler says this. He says, sometimes he shapes us into holy and blameless people with a hug, but sometimes it's with a chisel. But it's always done in love. Well, how does God make us holy and blameless? What does that process look like? We can tell through God's word there's some core things that we know that God wants us to do in order to become more like him. One of those things is God's word teaching you, you diving into God's word, prayer shaping our attitudes, and community holding you accountable. This is how you become holy and blameless before God. This is what the process looks like. You've got, if you're not in God's word, it's not going to work. If you're not taking time through prayer, don't be surprised that you feel distant from God. If you're not in community, there's going to be some things that grow inside you that are ugly. If you're not reading God's word that he has placed in your hand, you're missing out on gifts. God has these things he wants you to have. And if you don't do it, your walk is broken. If you aren't spending time talking and listening to God through prayer, you're missing out on gifts and your walk is broken. If you aren't living in community with your church, you're missing out on gifts, and your walk is broken. If there's no one to lean on, no one to reach out to, if you have no one to call out uh, the things in you and hold you accountable for your bad attitude, then your walk is broken, and you're missing out on gifts. You might say, Pastor Phil, I'm really shy. Well, if a family member collapses in your living room, are you going to be too shy to call 911? Well, Pastor Phil, I'm not really good at meeting new people. If someone breaks into your house, are you going to want to meet the local police officer? 
See, the problem is not that you're too shy and that you're not good at meeting people. It's that things aren't, these things aren't important enough to you. Those excuses don't hold up when you know things are important. You ready for me to step on your toes? You're not in community with other Christians because you don't realize how important it is. Pastor Phil, I just don't know how it starts. How do I get in this relationship with other Christian people? And where we can begin to open up to each other and begin to say, hey, that's not the right attitude. And hey, uh, yeah, actually, that's not what the Bible says. How does that start? It's as simple as asking someone out to lunch, reaching out to someone in an email, joining a life group. Even maybe for you, the first step really is just being consistent in church. You're never going to find someone if you're here once every three months. You're never going to begin to have that community Community is a gift that God has given us as Jesus followers, and our walk won't work without it. You were not made to walk alone. Men, you need other men to lean on. Why? Because uh, you're broken inside, and it comes out in anger and frustration, but really on the inside, you're hurting. And when you hide that hurt, it turns to sin and bitterness. But sin loses its power when exposed to the light. The way to let that go and to let, get past that is to tell someone, hey, I'm really struggling with anger about this situation. Someone didn't listen to me. I didn't feel respected. And you get that out and it loses its power. Women, you feel left out. You look around you and you see things on Facebook of people doing things together. Uh, and you, you, you are not feeling great about that. You have the fear of missing out. But if you think about it, you never really invite people to do things either. And, and when people do invite you, you find reasons to say no. And then that process and that pattern stirs up envy and jealousy inside you. But if you would just reach out to someone, you would find out there's others on your pew right now that wish they had someone like you. We need each other. You need close Christian friends. This thing called Christianity doesn't work. It's always been founded ever 2,000 years ago on close community, people meeting in homes and opening up. The original church wasn't like this, where it was just a bunch of people listening to one person talk at the front of the stage. And this is good, and this is great, but this is not enough. You've got to have one-on-one -on -one conversations with people. You've got to pray together. You've got to open up to each other. Young man, you're here struggling with pornography this morning, and you think no one sees it, but God knows, and he wants to give you an accountability partner in your life, but you're too busy trying to hide it, and you're stuck in a cycle of sin and guilt and shame and worthlessness that can only end when we share that burden with a few close, trustworthy men of God. I know what's in your mind right now. Pastor Phil, I've been burnt in the past. Try again. I know, I know it's awkward. Get over it. It's too important because your walk doesn't work without community. I say that back with him. You ready? My walk doesn't work without community. My walk doesn't work without community. You've got to find ways to get around other Christians that are honest enough with you to say, hey, you know what, the way you're looking at that isn't right. Hey, you know what, the thing that you're trusting in, the direction that you're going isn't the right way. 
We've got to have people calling us out. We have to share our lives with other believers, not just people that agree with us all the time. Someone needs to call out the ugly things in us. Here's a quick life hack, okay? You ready? It's a real complicated. If you feel disconnected and you're having problems connecting in the church, step one, stop coming in late, right? Get here early enough that you can meet someone. Step two, this is real hard. Stop leaving early. Don't leave during the invitation. Don't leave during the offering. Stand around for a minute. Shake some people's hands. Stop missing every other service. Uh, here's, here's another thing. When there's an opportunity to serve, jump in. We have a million sign-up sheets back there. And we need, every single time, we need, need, need people to help with the mission meal. We need people to help with the ladies' Christmas party. We need people. And everybody always thinks, well, I'll just let somebody else do it. But you don't realize that, yes, we need help, but it's going to help you far more than it'll help us. You might only be coming to put out some plates and napkins, but you're going to find a friend eventually through those opportunities, and you're going to be able to give and share, and it's going to help you grow, and your life is going to be more fulfilled when you serve. I know it's surprising, but the Bible says this, it's better to give than receive. And the thing is, is you're waiting back, and you're kind of a little bit frustrated, and you're a little bit hurt that no one has reached out to you when God's been waiting on you to reach out. Come to the fellowship things. When we have things that are planned, church picnics, we've got ladies' Christmas parties, men's barbecues. If you feel like you agree that community is important, you have to come to this stuff. The church I grew up in had three services every week. Sunday morning, well, hold on, let me go back. It had, first it had men's breakfast in the morning, and then you had Sunday school, and then you had morning service, and then you had after, uh, night service, and then you had Wednesday night, and a lot of times you had uh, bus visiting on Saturday, and we had so many things on the calendar, and people got to know each other better. We're not like that. We've a reserved space that we can serve the community, and everything isn't inwardly focused, but it only works if you participate. Otherwise, we're just a disconnected church that never sees each other other than on 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. You've got to reach out. That's the only way this works. Our walk doesn't work without community. I have that community with other pastors and staff in five different states, and I can call them, and this is important. I can call them, and I can just be Phil. I don't have to be Pastor Phil. I can say, you know, I could call someone a jerk or something like that, and they're not, <gasps> and then later they're like, hey, you need to calm down. I think you're, you're not going a little bit too far there. But I don't have to put on airs. And if no one really knows you, I promise there are things growing inside you that will hurt you. See, God has given us these gifts to make us holy. The gift of his word and the gift to be able to talk and listen through prayer. The gift of community with other Christians. God is sitting back so stoked that you would take advantage of these things that he has given you. You look at these things as a list of chores and a list of things to do. That's not what it is. They are gifts. They are opportunities. They are awesome things that God wants you to experience. He wants to mold you into being a holy and blameless being. 
and not in your power, only in Christ. Verse 4 goes on. It says, in love, he predestined us for the adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Check it out, in him, again, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he has lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. God was anticipating the day when he would adopt you as his daughter, as his son. We are loved. We are accepted into his beloved. In him, in Christ, we have the redemption of his blood. We're forgiven of trespasses. Well, how is he able to do this for all of these people in all throughout all of history, 7 billion people in the world today, all the way through the past? How is God able to do that? Because he's loaded with grace and he is rich in grace, so rich that he lavished it upon us. I love that word. That's an awesome word right there. It says he lavished it. Chloe likes to lavish her pancakes in syrup. She pours it on there. She's not worried that she will ever run out. It's in a ridiculous amount of syrup. She lavishes her pancakes with syrup. And that's how God pours his grace on us. He has this grace bottle and he's waiting, or we're waiting for him to say when, but it's running off the plate and it's onto the floor because he knows he will never run out and there is more where that came from. He lavishes us with the riches of his grace. And the same goes for his forgiveness. You are freely forgiven. You are forever forgiven. You are fully forgiven. These are the things that we have in Christ. And for those of you that have put our faith in Christ, that is the gift that keeps on giving. Because every day, no matter how hard we try and no matter how, what we do, we're going to sin. And so that grace gets bigger and it keeps getting poured on. And the more that we live, the more that we receive, and it never ends. His love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on us. You're forgiven forever, no matter what. If you're in Christ, there is no losing it. If you've accepted Christ, if you've become saved, then you don't have to call out to God for salvation every single Sunday. You are forever forgiven. He will not turn his back on you. Christ died once and for all for sin. And all the sins that you uh, have done were in his future when he died on the cross. You have never surprised him. Once you're saved, you are always saved. The cross of Christ paid it all. So we're not serving God to pay him back because you can't. You're not serving Jesus to make sure he doesn't get mad at you. There's no condemnation for those of us that are in Christ. We serve Jesus because he is so wonderful and amazing. And we can't help but love him back. We love him because he first loved us. Because how can you not love a God like our God? How can you not serve a God like our God? How can you sit in a pew when you really understand who God is and not respond in praise and not respond in service and not respond in adoration? How can you continue to have a cold and a dead heart when your eyes are open to who God is? When you really look and remember who God is, and that's on the front of your mind, he is irresistible. 
And when we understand this, and we understand how good God is to us, and the gifts that he's offered to us, then we begin to open our eyes to the fact that God feels the same way about that neighbor that we can't stand. And he feels the same way about our boss. He feels the same way about our mother-in-law. He feels the same way about the guy that's sleeping on the sidewalk. When we begin to see people like Jesus sees us, our heart breaks because you know that there are all of these amazing gifts that are found in Christ that they're missing out on. And then you begin to anticipate them opening and experiencing these gifts. And you begin to pray that God will work on their heart. And you begin to tell them how awesome and amazing our God is. What am I saying? I'm saying the joy and the hope that we're looking for this time of year is only found in Christ. The lights will come down. Your trash can will be filled with wrapping paper. Your belly will be swollen from Christmas cookies. Christmas, the holiday, ultimately will always let you down. It cannot live up to the expectations. But Christmas, the person, will never let you down. God has had these gifts found in Christ, wrapped and waiting for you for thousands of years, before the world even began. And he can't wait to see your face when you finally open them. He wants to lavish you with his mercy and grace and forgiveness. Don't get caught up this season in the lie of busyness, that more parties and more decorations will give you the hope that you're looking for. Come January, you're going to be very depressed, maybe even before then. See, everything you need this year, everything you need for Christmas is found. In Christ. With every head bowed and eyes closed, the band's going to come. December is one of the highest uh, times for depression and even suicide. I know that's not something we want to talk about, but the truth is, if you put your faith in a Christmas tree or you put your faith in Miracle on 34th Street or It's a Wonderful Life to make you happy this year, you're going to end up depressed. Your family isn't going to give you what you're looking for. Everything you need is found in Christ. And it's only appropriate, right? It's supposed to be the time that we celebrate Christ. It's supposed to be the time that we remember what he has done for us. I wonder if this morning you really need to double down on your commitment. God has offered us these gifts that are, can only be found in Christ. And he's waiting. He's not hiding these things from you. you. Say, Pastor Phil, I just read my Bible and I just don't, I don't get anything. Or I, I take time to pray and it just it doesn't seem to work. I've tried before to reach out in community and I, I got burnt. 
We've all eaten something that was bad, right? We didn't like it. We didn't give up on eating. We realize it's important that we need it. We've all smelled some things in our lives, and it was unsavory. We didn't give up on breathing because we need it. If you understood how important it was, You'd push through the times that were difficult. You'd push through the times that were hard. You'd stop making excuses for why don't you don't read your Bible, why you're not consistent in church and community, why you don't spend time in prayer. If you really understood and really believed that this was the word of God and that you could talk to God in prayer and that you could have what you're looking for, in a friend that would call you out and call you up to higher things and encourage you and remind you who you are in Christ. Some of you have been Christians for a long time and you long since lost the joy of your salvation. And what's left is legalism. You get mad at every little thing that doesn't go your way and when someone doesn't live up to what you think they should be. This Christmas, that's what you need. You need to find that joy of your salvation back when you were excited about it, back when when you were just enamored by the Bible and it was so amazing that you could talk to God. I saw someone post this last week and it said, the first Christmas was pretty simple and yours can be too. And I think that's what we need to do as a church this season is get back to the simple things, the things we know we need to do. Altar's open this morning. I think there's some people here this morning that probably need to recommit to not be satisfied with a dead walk, to not be okay with the fact that there's just anger boiling behind their smile. To not be okay with the fact that they're lonely and they've been lonely and they've not reached out to anybody. Whatever God's dealt with your heart about this morning, as the music plays, you come.